All right. Notice in 1 Kings chapter 3, we see probably one of the most famous stories and famous examples that I think everybody knows about somebody who had showed great wisdom with Solomon, where the two women are arguing over whose child uh, it was. And notice what it says in verse 28. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. So Solomon, you know, he's seeing what's going on here. you got a situation both women are claiming to be the mother of this baby. And, you know, back then they didn't have blood tests and DNA tests and things that they could do. And Solomon didn't need it because he had wisdom. The wisdom of God was on this man. And he goes and he just says, you know what, let's divide it in two. And obviously the real mother is not going to be okay with that. You know, the real mother would rather the other woman have her than for her baby to die. And so that told Solomon everything he needed to know. And he said he now knows who to give the living child to. And people, they were amazed at this. They'd never seen anything like this before. And so when we, another thing we see also in this chapter, we're going to go back and look at that story where the two women come to him in a little bit. But at the same time, I want to point something out to you that I think is really interesting about this too. Because we know that the reason Solomon had this great wisdom is because also in this chapter, we just read how he asked for it. Notice what it says in verse 9. This is after God has asked him, Solomon, whatever you want, you can have it. I mean, and that's a, that's a pretty nice offer right there. I mean, this is a great opportunity right here. And Solomon, without even batting an eye, he knows what he wants. And he says in verse 9, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And you know, what's interesting about this is, you know, because we know this story, you know, we all know how to handle that. You know, you, maybe as a parent, you've done that with your kids before. Maybe they're maybe fighting over what something belongs to, you know, a toy or something. It's like, well, you know, let's just break it in half. You know, I, mean, I don't know if as a parent, you've ever done that with your kids. I've seen people use those same things. And then we often think we're real wise because of that. Well, we just stole it from Solomon, right? We're just kind of copying. And the same thing, too. You know, if I came to you and I said, hey, if the Lord asks you anything you can have or anything you want, you can have it. You know, we all know to say wisdom, right? Because then you get everything else. But that's not really in our heart, is it? Okay. For example, and I hate to be carnal, but, you know, anytime you watch, you know, a, a magic genie movie like Aladdin or something like that, you know, you're all thinking, what would I wish for? Right. And none of you are thinking in that situation. Wisdom, are you? Okay. None of you are thinking that, you know, partly because of the fact it's a magic genie. We know those aren't real anyway. But God did come to Solomon here. Hey, whatever you want, you can have it. One thing. And so we all know now to ask that. But most of us probably wouldn't have done that. But Solomon did. And, you know, and, I, and I'm not trying to read into the scriptures or anything like this. But understand that is a very exceptional attitude here. That's a, that's a rare attitude. That we see. Notice too how this uh, this request it pleased the Lord. When God saw that this is something that Solomon wanted, this pleased God, and God said, "You know what? Because you didn't ask for riches and the life of your enemies, all these things, I'm giving you all that. Anything that everybody else would have asked for, because you didn't ask for that and you asked for wisdom, God said, I am going to give you that." And so turn over to Proverbs chapter 31, because notice Solomon, too, you know, he talks about it here. He's like, I'm just a little child here. I'm young. I don't know how to go out or come in. And I personally believe that the reason Solomon had this attitude, in my opinion, I believe it was because of his mother. 
Okay? And that opinion is based on what we see in the Bible because this is, this is a unique attitude here. But notice, what's, this is uh, Proverbs 31. This is a prophecy that his mother taught him. Okay? All these words here that Solomon's writing, these are things that his mother said to him. And notice his mother was Bathsheba. We don't often think of Bathsheba as a godly woman because of what took place. But, you know, I personally just believe she was somebody who became godly because even if you had a bad past and you made some big mistakes, it doesn't mean you can't turn around and be godly and do something great for God. And notice what it says here in Proverbs 31, verse 4. It says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Lest they drink, notice this, and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish and wine unto them to be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. You know, that guy that's on his way out, that's dying, you know, go ahead and drug that guy up. You know, if you're in the hospital and you're dying, you know, let him drug you up. Okay, you're, you're going out anyway. You might as well make it as peaceful as possible. But, you know, don't go shooting up with morphine and stuff just for fun, okay? Don't go shooting up with painkillers just for fun or for a buzz. That's not a good idea. And you know what? Back then they didn't have all those painkillers and things we do, but they might have had some wine and some strong drink to kind of ease the pain. Hey, if you're about to croak, if you're about to die and you want to forget your trouble, then go ahead and think about taking a drink, all right? But not not, not now, okay? Not while you're healthy. Side sermon right there. But notice what she she goes on says, open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. And the title of my message this morning is plead the cause of the poor and needy. Notice that Solomon, his mother taught him just how important it was. Solomon, do not drink. You are a king. It is not for kings to do that. You are going to be needed to make judgment. And if you are under the influence of alcohol, you're going to make bad judgments. And the judgments that you make are going to affect other people. And so she is, I mean, as a a mother, as somebody who's compassionate, she clearly cares about people. She wanted her son to be a good king. And notice the people that she brings up. She's not bringing up, listen, be careful. You don't want to pervert judgment because the news media is going to come after you. You know, you don't want to pervert judgment because all your donors, your political donors and all the higher ups and all the elites aren't going to respect you. And somebody's going to want to overthrow you as king. She said, no, plead the cause of the poor and needy. Open your mouth for the dumb. Those who cannot defend themselves, you defend them, Solomon. You teach that good judgment. You make sure you practice these things. This was something important to her and something that she obviously passed on to her son because we see in 1 Kings chapter 3, whenever God comes and asks, what do you want? He wants wisdom. Why? Because he wants to know how to judge his people. Hey, this is, this is your kingdom, God. You put me over your people and he's saying, I don't want to mess this up. I've got an opportunity here. I want to do things right. I want, he had a desire in his heart to do exactly what his mother taught him at a very young age. And then we see in 1 Kings chapter 3 an example of him doing that very thing. But before we go into that, first thing I want you to notice, though, is that this passage right here, this proves that Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, she did become, in fact, a very godly woman. 
because this attitude is a very godly attitude. I'm just going to go to several scriptures here. If you want to, uh, want to make notes, it'd be hard to follow along. But for, uh, Isaiah 61.8 says, For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering, and I will direct the word in truth. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. God loves judgment. Judgment's a good thing as long as it's proper judgment, as long as it's right judgment, that which is just. Psalms 33, 4, For the word of the Lord is right, and his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalms 37, 28, For the Lord loveth judgment. And forsaketh not his saints, they are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Psalm 99.4 The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity, thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. And Philippians 1.9 says, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense, until the day of Christ. So folks, a mark of a godly person is one who loves justice, one who loves godly judgment. And here's what we're going to see. One thing we see focused on throughout the Bible and something that we see uh, highlighted by Solomon's mother Bathsheba and something that we actually see carried out with Solomon is an example of not just having good judgment, but especially caring about it when it comes to the poor and needy, when it comes to the outcasts, when it comes to those that society does not care about, that right there is especially what makes good judgment. You know, we live in a country today that, you know, you hear a lot of talk about justice in this country. But folks, if you think we have godly, a godly justice system in this country, you are ignorant to the scriptures. Why is it? That, you know, our Constitution, it's in our Constitution we're supposed to have a speedy trial by a jury of your peers, but yet it takes months and months often for trials to happen, especially with the high profile. You know, it, it, how is it just, how is it equal to have, you know, make bail that's unaffordable for one group, who, you know, if a poor person commits a crime, but if a rich person commits that same crime, you know, he's able to get out of jail. You know, why is it that high-profile cases, you know, high-profile people, rich people, often get off, you know, just because they had good lawyers, you know, that they could afford? People who get the public defenders, though, the poor people, okay, they don't often get the same thing, do they? They don't often get the good plea deals. There's no doubt that judgment is different based on who it is and especially based on how much money they have. And that is one of the reasons our country is a wicked country. And we have a very wicked justice system that is not how it's supposed to be. What shows godly justice and good judgment is when it is equal for the poor as well as it is the rich. When it's equal for those who are loved and respected versus those who are hated and despised. And it should be our attitude when it comes to laws and when it comes to judgment. It should not matter who it is. I don't care how low down they are in society, how little people care about them. It ought to matter to us. And that's how it was with Bathsheba. And it says in Deuteronomy 10, verse 17, it says, For the Lord your God is a God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons or taketh rewards. We're not going to bribe God. You're not going to get better judgment from God. You know, you shouldn't get treated differently in this church because of how much you put in the offering. That shouldn't matter. 
If we're treating one person better based on how they give, okay, we're a wicked church at that point. We're a respect of persons. God isn't like that. God's not going to care about that and acknowledge that. He says he doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow. Okay? He, he executes judgment for those who has no one to fight for them. For the fatherless, the widow, and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. That foreigner, that person that's in that land who does not have the citizenship. God wants judgment for them too. It says, love ye therefore the stranger. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. If I may just park here for a second. Now, this isn't going to set well with some of you Fox News Baptists out there. But y'all understand that the stranger, that's the immigrant. The illegal immigrant. Now, folks, I'm not saying we let illegal immigrants get away with committing crimes. They ought to be punished for those crimes. But we ought to love these people. We ought to want to help these people. We ought to want, we ought to want the best for them. Okay? And, you know, that's, that's not going to set well with Fox News Baptist. But that was what God said in the law. He said, love the stranger. You see that person that escapes their country and sneaks into this country illegally, I know it's illegal, but you know what? If I lived in one of those other countries too, I'd try to sneak in this country illegally too. I guarantee you I would. Why are they doing that? They're looking for a better life. Shouldn't we want that for people? Yeah, I, 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 think, we ought, I think we ought to understand that. I, I believe people ought to follow a process. I believe they ought to try to follow the laws the best that they can. But you know, if I was a Christian and I was being persecuted in some country and I could sneak my family over into this country, you better believe I'd do it. If my family was starving in one of these other countries, you better believe I'd sneak into this country to try to be able to feed my family. There's no doubt I, I would do that. So, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be mean to those people. You know, I wish the best for them. I want to help them. And, I think that's the attitude. Why? Because thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Okay? God cares about them. Therefore, we ought to care about them. The Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and unto him shalt thou cleave, and swear by his name. So we, do, we live in a country where fame, notoriety, and money are, all, because based on those things, people are judged differently than those who are poor nobodies. And that is wicked. Judges should be blind to a person's rank. They should be blind to what the politics are in that situation. And folks, if you don't think, if you think that you know they are not, okay, or if you think that they are this way, you're crazy. It's, it's only getting worse over the years. You can go back as far as the black and white version of Miracle on 34th Street, and he judged that guy as being Santa Claus based on the political pressure. All right? Don't act like y'all. I didn't watch Miracle on 34th Street. All right, y'all, y'all. I know y'all watch that movie, but that's what that movie is all about with the judge. You know, he had Fred Mertz there advising him, telling him, "Hey, you know, you, you, know, you got to watch it. You're going to make all the kids mad at you. You got an election coming up." That's how it's been for years in this country. Judges should not care about that at all. They should go off what the law is. We just heard, uh, what's that? Uh, Senator threatening the Supreme Court justices. Schumer. Schumer. Yeah. Schumer threatening them if they don't vote the way that they think they ought to vote. You know, that that's wicked right there. And you know, our judges are wicked. I get it. But judge, we should not be able to pressure judges into judging the way we want them to judge. Judges should judge based on what the law says. 
That's what they ought to do. And when we live in a world where pressure works on a judge, we've got a messed up system. And I'm afraid it, I'm afraid it often it does work. But judges, they shouldn't care about that. They should be unfazed by what the news media says or how close an election is. And, we, and you know, we see this, we're going to see this this year, how they're going to keep putting off decisions in Congress. Why? Let's wait and see how the elections turn out. No, they ought to be doing business right now. But everything's based on the elections. That's because they're wicked people. And we as Christians, we ought to care about what happens with judgment, whether or not we are appointed the judge, and regardless of whether or not we know the person who is being judged. Y'all understand? We, we are supposed to care about this. We are supposed to be upset. We should be upset when injustice is done. It ought to matter whether it's to our crowd, whether it's to somebody that's our color or our, you know, our uh, political party, our, whatever it is, it shouldn't matter. We ought to love justice for everybody. And so, you know, while, while society often looks down on a person, you know, because they are vile or, and don't care about justice, we need to remember, too, that we are vile to God. We need to remember that. In our flesh, we are vile to God. And yet he took our justice and our judgment on the cross. So, you know, before you get real high and mighty and you want to just look down at people, these are low lives, who cares? You need to understand that we're low lives to God. And yet he took our punishment and our justice on the cross. And so we should care, even if there are no, even if there are nobody, you know, as, as Christians, you know, it, it shouldn't matter. You know, when it, you know, we shouldn't be happy if a Jehovah's Witness gets thrown in jail for spreading their false gospel. Y'all realize that's unjust. Okay? Yes, they're bad people teaching a false gospel, but it is that that is wrong to try to stop them from doing that. Our government has no right to do that. And if we see a Jehovah's Witness get thrown in jail or a Mormon get thrown in jail for spreading their message, we should be upset by that. And just because I understand too, because we're next. You know, we've got all these preachers that are out there. We've got these scared pansy preachers. They get nervous about guys like Pastor Anderson getting banned from other countries. And, you know, and some of these guys are even happy about it. That, that's, unju- that's unjust. That's wrong. Okay, so he's not, your, you know, he's not your religious affiliation. You don't associate with them. But you're literally going to be excited over injustice being done because you don't like the guy? That's a wicked attitude right there. We shouldn't be that way. Okay? And you know, the old IFB is like that, but we shouldn't be that way. Okay? If one of the guys that we don't like gets banned from one of these countries, we shouldn't be happy about that. That just shows more freedom leaving this world. That's not a good thing. And so if one of our enemies gets banned from a country, we're not going to act like them and, and rejoice over that. That's bad. We don't like, in, we don't like injustice. It's a bad thing. And so let's point out a few things in the story, though, in 1 Kings chapter 3 that I think we often don't think about, which I think is one of the more amazing things of the story. Because remember, you know, if I could impress all of you with my wisdom and how I judge a situation involving important people, you know, we would all care. But what about people that nobody cares about? Because you all understand in this story, we're talking about two women that nobody would care about. These are two harlots that we're talking about. Notice what it says in verse 16. It says, Then came there two women 
that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. So it didn't matter that they were harlots. You know, it didn't matter to the king that these women probably didn't even know who their fathers were. You know, where are the dads in this situation? Chances are these women didn't know who the dads were with the line of work that they were in. You know, it would have been real easy for Solomon to just get up and say, you know what, who cares about these women? You know, you guys figure it out. Get out of here. We're not going to waste our time with people like you. But did you know that even though these women were harlots, they had feelings? They had the ability, they had the ability to love and care about their children? And so because of that, even though these are wicked women, they mattered to God. Just like even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, a holy God somehow looked down on vile people and said, even though they deserve to go to hell, even though I would still be just and righteous in letting them go to hell, I don't want it to happen. I'm going to make a way of salvation for them. And that's exactly what God did. So you better believe God loves these harlots and God loves harlots on this earth today. And you better believe that God cares about their feelings and he cares about what happens and he wants them to have justice too. And that's what we see is going to happen here in this story. Verse 17, it says, and the one woman said, Oh my Lord. And I said, this woman dwell in, this woman, I and this woman dwell in one house and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house. Save we two in the house. She's bringing that up because there was probably often strangers in the house. You know, because that type of women these were. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thine handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. Now, this is, this is horrible, okay? Now, you say, you know, why would a woman do that? She killed her own son. Why would she take another woman's baby you know, grief can make a person crazy. You know, grief could really do something to a person. And this woman who's just, you know, sad, grieved, you know, upset, and, and or maybe just humiliated, you know, that she would do something so careless and accidentally kill her child in the night. She goes and she switches. Why? Because she needed that. She needed a baby to love. And even if she had to convince herself, and she probably could have. There's crazy people out there. She probably was just going to convince herself and had convinced herself, this is my baby. You know, this didn't happen. Often when tragic things happen, people go into denial, don't they? And it's, and it's sad. All right? it, it's a way people often deal with grief because even though these women were harlots, they had feelings. They had grief. Now, what this woman did was wrong. This was terrible what she did. But now we have this other woman who's also a harlot who wants her son back who realizes this wasn't my baby. You know, at first she was grieved, but she realizes something happened. But this is, this is a horrible situation with two people that society just didn't care about. And it would have been easy for Solomon to just forget about this whole thing. And he probably wouldn't have gotten a lot of grief from his people. But notice it says in verse 21, And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son and the dead is thy son and and this said no but the dead is thy son and the living is my son thus they spake before the king then said the king the one saith this is my son that liveth and thy son is the dead and the other saith nay but thy son is dead and my son is living you know it's my your word against hers 
And the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. Now, I don't know this. Let me just disclaimer opinion. I'd like to think that when the king said, you know what, we're going to cut this baby in half, people would have freaked out. But, you know, maybe they didn't freak out because of the fact, too, it's just a child of two, you know, two harlots. Who cares what happens to them? You know, it's just one of their babies. It doesn't have a chance of much of a future. Okay, the king's about to cut it in half. You know, who really cares? You know, and we often don't care when injustice is being done to people that we don't care about. You know, the people that aren't in our demographic. You know, you know the, the black people get all up in arms and there's police brutality to a black person. But often the white people, they just want to spend all their time defending the police. But then it's different if it's a white person getting beat up. Because then all of a sudden we feel threatened. Oh man, if it happened to them, it could probably happen to us too. Now all of a sudden we care about it. You know, we ought to care regardless of the situation. And oftentimes, too, when you see these injustices being done, when you see police brutality and things like that, often it is very apparent that the people involved are scumbags. But you all understand, even scumbags deserve justice. Even when it, even uh, the police officers, they are law enforcement officers, and they should remain within the law regardless of who they are dealing with. And we should care. It shouldn't matter if we see somebody, no matter how scummy, being treated in an unlawful way. It ought to bother us, but often we'll see that kind of thing. And because it's somebody that we just don't care about, ah, who cares? You know, he's going to go cut this baby in half. And obviously Solomon knew he wasn't going to have to cut this baby in half. Okay? But, you know, I, I just like to think, you know, what should have happened in that situation is, you know, the whole kingdom should have freaked out. You know, what's going on here? But nobody nobody cared. But Solomon did care. Thankfully, the king actually cared in this situation. So he tells them to bring the sword. They brought the sword before the king. They, uh, then, uh, and, the, and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. She had feelings. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. So, folks, this right here, this is a, this is a human woman who has real feelings and God cares about that. And God specifically tells us to care about the judgment for people like that. Don't we see it all the time where, you know, a pretty white blonde girl gets kidnapped and it's wall-to-wall coverage. But, you know, when it's some child from the ghetto, some you know, a, a black girl or something like that, it doesn't get any news. We see that all the time. And they complain about that in that community all the time. But you say, you know, why doesn't the news media cover it as much? Because it doesn't get the ratings. Because we don't get, you know, people don't get fired up about it. Why? Because it's like, well, you know, they're, you know, they're from the ghetto. You know, they, you know, these people have no money. We just don't care about it. That's a terrible attitude. That is against what the Bible says to do. And how and because understand, the parents of that rich girl, yeah, they have feelings and they're worried and they're cared. But you know, the parents of that poor child, they have feelings too. They care too. They have love for that child too. And so we should want justice for them because God cares about that. 
Even if you're just so high and mighty that you don't care, why don't you just care because God cares? We ought to care just because of that. And so even this harlot, she had feelings, she had grief. And so she did, she's, she's willing to give her son over to this other woman if it will save his life. That maternal instinct kicks in. Moms will do anything to save their kids. Moms will do anything to protect them. It says in verse 27, Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. So this judgment that Solomon made, this was good for Israel because God cares even about the justice being done for harlots. And when judges are doing things that are unjust... That makes God mad at our whole country. That makes God mad at our entire land. It brings a stain upon our land when injustice is done, even for, and I, you know, I hate using these terms, but I'm trying to talk about keep, keeping everybody equal, but I'm talking about, you know, the derelicts of society and, you know, the low lives, the, you know, the people that nobody cares about. We try to act like we think everybody's equal, but, you know, we don't. We often don't. We get full of ourselves and we need to make sure these are the people that we're trying to protect. The ones who cannot protect themselves. The ones who do not have the means. The ones who do not have the money. We ought to want to make sure that they get representation. That's what we, that's the people we ought to care about. So just some things we need to understand as Christians. Just to help us with this, I want to go through quickly. One, we should put pressure on those that are in authority to give justice to everyone and not just our own. That, that should be what we're looking for. In Exodus chapter 22, verse 21, it says, Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Ye shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. Folks, you better, you better pray that these people that are being treated unjustly, we better pray that they don't cry out to God, because our country's in trouble. You know, these people that are, ha that are you know, struggling with police brutality and things like that, you know, the black community that's always you know, crying and wailing about injustice, the Black Lives Matter crowd, if they really want to get at us white folks and really get at us uh, as Americans, you know what those people need to do? They need to turn to Christ. And you know what they need to do? They need to call out to the Lord. Instead of calling out to Donald Trump, you know, instead of calling, they ought to call out to the Lord for justice, and we are in trouble. Because there have been a lot of inju un, you know, injustices done to those people. And if they, would, if, if they would teach their people to call on the Lord when that happens, we are dead beat. We have a promise of God from that. God cares about what goes on. But unfortunately, they're buying into all the socialist junk from the Democrat world. They're listening to the public school system. They're listening to the teaching that there is no God. They're being, you know, they're not being taught the word of God. And therefore, they don't know to call on God. And they're, they're keeping them ignorant of these things. And, you know, here we go. We actually try to help people in that community, try to tell them about the Lord, try to get them saved. So they actually could call on God and get us in trouble. You know, when, we're, when injustice is being done. So, but we need to understand that if our judges, okay, if our judges are not doing things fair, that is going to hurt our entire land. And, and folks, I don't, I don't agree with this attitude 
of just completely withdrawing, you know, from the political system and from everything that's involved in government because of the fact that throughout the Bible we see when it came to judges especially that the people were supposed to choose the judges. And we need to understand, I don't believe our our government it's not a you know true democracy and I don't believe in true democracy. I believe in uh, we ought to have a nation governed by laws. A republic is what our country was founded as, but understand in a republic you do you have judges. You have people who have been put in authority who are supposed to enforce those laws and do y'all understand that the people who are supposed to put them there are us. And so I I don't think we ought to completely withdraw ourselves from that because there are people uh we we need to understand if the people are making wicked decisions it's going to hurt all of us. And we ought to do what we can to try to get godly judges in these places of authority. I don't think we need to be going and voting to see what's right and what's wrong. Okay? That's that's not biblical and that's not even constitutional, which is what we see going on in our country. But we are supposed to be putting the right kind of leaders in place. And you know, and if there's no choice on the ballot, then you know, then make no choice on there. But you know, good night. Pay attention. Find out who some of these people are. If you have to, you know, write in a stinking name or something. But you know, um, it's just understand we do we have some responsibility there, especially locally. Okay, especially locally, we have some responsibility there, and we ought to be outraged when injustice takes place with any group. You know, and we shouldn't, and we shouldn't rejoice. You know, when our enemies are even being treated unjustly, we shouldn't be excited when, in an unjust way, you know, people from false religions are being killed, jailed, or banned from a country. You know, we shouldn't just be outraged by what Fox News tells us to be outraged by. We shouldn't just get upset by whatever Mike Huckabee tells us to get upset with. We ought to get upset with that, with those things that are wrong while injustice is done. And so while what happens around the world and around our country, we should care about, you know, ultimately the area of our influence is local. That, that ultimately that is where it's at. And that's what we should be most concerned about. Okay. We, we've got a problem and our government is corrupt from the top to the bottom. Okay. I understand that. We have our federal government deciding way too much for way too many people. But the way it's supposed to be is we should have local governments deciding things. You know, locally, we should be able to make some decisions ourselves. You know, I'm tired of hearing about communities that don't have decent water calling on the federal government to help them. You know, why can't a local community take care of their own water? You know, are, are we that pathetic? You know, if you go look at your tax statement that you get for your property taxes, you realize, you know, most of your like property tax, it goes to the local government, not the federal government, the local government. What in the world are they doing with all that money? You know, why can't they do anything with it? You know, not only that, we're paying taxes too when it comes to water and things like in Rock Falls, the city of Rock, the city of Rock Falls does all that. Why would they need the federal government? I'm paying them for all these things. We're paying it with our taxes. We're paying it with these bills. But yet we have local communities. They always call on the federal government to do everything. That's not how it's supposed to be. And we should not ever be looking to the federal government or even the state government when it comes to getting justice 
for crimes and things that happen. Our community should be doing that. So understand, when I'm talking about getting involved in these things, engaging, I'm talking about especially in the local community and what happens there. And, it, and, it's, and it's not much because the federal government's doing everything. But we need to do whatever we can to try to get back to that because that's the way it should be. You know, people used to have to live among the people that they affected with their decisions. And it mattered to them. You know, the people that are affecting us today live in Washington, D.C. You know, unfortunately, you know, we don't get to see them walking down the street. They're not going to have to confront us face to face. You know, they can hide in their little ivory towers out there with all their protection and they don't have to worry about anything. But, you know, we, we need to care and we need to do what we can to try to get the right kind of leaders. You know, we ought to have a strong desire to show justice and judgment to everyone we come in contact with. In James 2, it says, you know, my brethren, have not the faith of our faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. That is not Christ-like. You say you have the faith of Jesus, but then you have respect of persons? You're going to tell people that you're that you're saved, that you're a child of God, but you're nothing like him? You know, you do that, you're going to be a bad testimony. You're not going to be effective. We should be fair to those that we do business with. We ought to care. Doesn't matter. Ah, oh, yeah, I cheated this person, but yeah, who cares? You know, they're a Jew. They're always cheating, cheating everybody else. You know, they're they're ripping us off on interest and all the banks and things like that. No, we don't want to cheat them either. It shouldn't shouldn't matter. Hey, you know, our church. You know, we ripped this group off, but you know that's okay. You know, they were Mormons. No, we should be fair across the board. Why? Because. Our God cares about justice. He cares about judgment. And so we're going to do things fair. If we sell this church and some yeah, some Mormons want to buy it, we're not going to find a way to rip them off. Okay? We're, we're going to be honest in, in our dealings with them. Say, well, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, any, any money we could take from them is going to stop them from doing the devil's work. But you know, God can take care of that. We're supposed to be fair. We're supposed to be honest. We're, supposed to, we're not supposed to have a false balance and diver's weights. Those are an abomination to God. A diver's weights. Okay? In other, back in the day when they would weigh things on the scales, some would get crooked and have ones that weren't just and equal so they could rip people off. God said that's abomination. He put that in the same category he did the homos. Do, you really want, do we want to do that? Do we want to have... A false balance. Hey, we're gonna we'll do good to this one group, but you know we're not gonna treat this other group right. That's an abomination. I don't want to be. I don't want to get put in the abomination camp. So we're gonna do that. It's like I don't. You know, I don't. But we don't care about these people. I know, but God cares about justice. So therefore, we care about justice, and He cares it especially for those who cannot get it for themselves. So we should judge righteously in our family. We should judge righteously in any area. Any area where we've been given authority, we ought to try to do things in a just and a righteous way. Fair across the board. And we especially want to be concerned with those who cannot speak for themselves. You know, we're going to open our mouth for the dumb. You know, we see somebody who's maybe not able to defend themselves. You know, you see that stranger, okay, that immigrant that's out there. And he has a fender bender with somebody in town. But, you know, he doesn't speak the language. You know, he's an illegal immigrant. You know, he didn't do anything wrong. It was the other guy's fault. But, you know, well, he shouldn't have been in this country anyway. 
I'm not going to say anything for him. No, you know what? You go speak for him. He's not going to be able to communicate what he needs to to the police. But you know what? You can. You can go and say, you know, I saw the whole thing. Speak for him. Why? Because it's not fair. It's not, it's not right if he gets blamed for something he didn't do. We ought to care about stuff like that. We're not just saying, oh, who, cares, who, you know, who cares about them? It's just so-and-so. No, these things ought to matter to us. They matter to God. And, you know, the only way that we can effectively do this, the only way we can effectively, you know, be righteous judges, plead the cause of the poor and needy, we have to actually know what's just and know what's right. And we find that out by studying the Word of God. And that's the way we ought to judge things. We've got to know what the Bible says. We need to know what the law says. Old and New Testament. We need to know these things. That way we know how to stand up for those and plead for justice for those who cannot do it for themselves. Jesus said in John 7.24, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. this, This looks bad. It doesn't matter how it looks. What's righteous? How are things supposed to be done? What is God's law laid out? Judge that way. That, uh, Proverbs 1, 2 through 5 it explains how we're supposed to, uh, you know, the purpose of Proverbs, so we can know wisdom, so we can know justice. It says, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity. You know why we want to learn the book of Proverbs? Because we want to know how to have wisdom so we can judge accurately. So we can look at a situation and know the right thing to do in that situation because we don't want to hurt somebody with injustice. Whether it be because you're a boss at work or anything. We all have situations where we have to judge things and we need to be impartial. We need to be fair because God cares about these people. And if He cares about what goes on with two harlots, you better believe He cares about anybody else. And and even, even if they're... A scumbag reprobate that needs to be put to death. You know what? We ought to want it to be done in a just way. I know Epstein was a super, super bad guy. Okay? But you know what? That's not how justice is done. Okay? They shouldn't have whacked him like they did. You know? He should have had, he should have been convicted in a trial by, speedy trial by a jury of his peers, and then they should have hung him. Alright? But not, not before. We shouldn't be okay with stuff like that, that should outrage it. And I heard people saying that. Ah, who cares that they did that to Epstein? He was a dirty, filthy reprobate. It, but it's unjust. God hates injustice. There's a way these things are supposed to be done. So we, we ought to care about that. And unfortunately, you know, we're, we live in a world today where people watch so much news. You've been told, hey, if you're white, you care you you only supposed to care about the white. If you're black, you need to care about the black. You know, no, we need to care across the board. That's the that's the attitude that we ought to have. That's what God's looking for. And so we care about justice today, not because we want to make sure some criminal or even some bad guy gets a good deal or a fair deal. No, we care just because God cares about justice. And across the board, that's how God is. And if we would get that attitude, I believe it would help us make better decisions, be better influences, and make sure we're at least judging right in our, in our areas where we're supposed to be judging. So get, have that attitude of Christ. Be like Solomon's mom. Instill that in your children's hearts. She did that with Solomon. I believe she should, probably gets credit for Solomon making that request to God that he did. 
She somehow put it in his heart, made him want to have wisdom so he could be a righteous judge. She let him know. She passed on the importance of making sure that the dumb had someone speak for him, that the poor had somebody stand up for him. And so when he gets this opportunity, he wants wisdom, and God gave it to him, and he did it. And that was a great victory that day when a harlot received justice. When she got her child, it would have been a tragedy that day if a harlot who we wouldn't care about didn't get her child or if her child would have died. That would have been a tragedy that day. And God was pleased. Just like God was pleased when Solomon made that request, God was pleased when Solomon made that judgment because God did care. Because he is a just and holy God. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I pray you'll help us to uh, take these things to heart. I pray you'll help us to study your word. Help us to learn about wisdom and justice and judgment and equity. And I pray that we will practice these things in every area of our life. I pray that we will, uh, in our hearts and minds, you'll change us in these things. And that when we see injustice done anywhere in the world with any person, whatever group that they're in, that we will not look at that situation and say that's, you know, my group or whatever, we'll just say that was wrong, that was unjust, and that it will upset us just like it upsets you. I pray you'll you'll help us in that area. In your name we pray. Amen.